So this week we're going to wrap up our two-week series here uh, called By the Field. And I want to remind you that the scripture that this comes from uh, where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And Jesus talks about the kingdom of, of God or the kingdom of heaven in ways that no one else had before him. Everything was about like laws or rules or regulations and he talked about it as something that, that, that is priceless, that is treasure, that is valuable. So something that he said that you should give your life for. Matter of fact, every person that he called to follow him, he asked that of them, that they would give their life for the kingdom of heaven. And so this morning, I'm going to remind you that the, the gospel that we are um, building from here comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 13. I'm just going to read it with you. The word says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Now, if you were with us last week, you remember that we talked about the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ, that this entry gate into the kingdom of eternity is a gift by his blood. And you'll remember last week, we actually had our doorpost where we remembered the first commandment, the great command that I am the Lord, your God. And so in this passage, in this scripture, Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of heaven is like nothing else you can ever imagine. And as a matter of fact, it almost seems like in this passage that this guy is kind of just out in the fields, kind of, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's, you know, hunting for things. I don't know if he's just out there taking a walk. I don't know if he's out there planting crops. But he finds something there that is so valuable that look at what the scripture says. He goes home, he sells everything, and he buys it because he wants to own what is there. As a matter of fact, he will do anything, anything to have it. Can you imagine Jesus' illustration here? Can you imagine when this guy goes back, if he has a family, what they think when he says, we're going to buy this field. We're selling everything. We're buying the field. Can you imagine, and maybe he's not married. He goes and he's his friends, and he's got stuff, and his friends are like, hey, what's up? And he's like, everything's changed, man. I'm selling it all. His friends would think, what, what, what's wrong with you? The scripture says, this man went, sold everything, and bought the field. This, this idea that, that I've been sharing with you is, uh, is just deep in me, and, I, and I'm just trying to, trying to share that with you a little bit, that, that, that the gospel of Jesus is so profound and so real and so life-changing that you should, you should never be the same after it. Like, it, it, it will, it'll call everything out of you. This has been a very personal journey for me, buying the field. I would encourage you to be on it as well. I mean, if thinking about this, we said last week, are, are there things in your life that you treasure above everything else? I mean, is there anything you really is precious to you, so valuable? And this week, the question is kind of like it. It's like, is, is there anything in life that you'll give everything for? Is there anything in life that you would say, this, was, this is it? All chips are in. Jesus says, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven. You know, many times I wonder in life, is there treasure worth dying for? Is there treasure worth dying for? I was shocked this week as I was... Um, I was uh, I caught a movie, it was called Into the Abyss. Not necessarily recommending the movie, but it was really, really interesting because it was a story. Unfortunately, it was a story of murder. 
And I watched this and I thought, oh, you know, tragedy. I mean, we see it in our news all the time. Oh, what a, what's the world coming to? What's happening in people's lives? That this is where we get with one another. And I was watching this show and I was, I was kind of ready for what it was going to be about. It was going to be about, you know, this, this, this inmate and the, the death row. And it was going to be about the, the, these people who were, you know, innocent, who were killed and, and all this stuff. And I was going along and I was kind of, I don't you guys watch a lot of that stuff? The CSI stuff or the... You know, and we become kind of, and, but this was like a documentary. It was real, and I was checking it out, and I was, I was going along and everything. And all of a sudden, I was just stopped short on the whole thing. Because about a third of the way in, as they're explaining the details of what went down in this suburban community. By the way, this very affluent suburban community what I was shocked to find out was that a couple of teenagers had killed three people. Well, I knew that. What I didn't know is that they had killed them for a car. For a car. Now, you might be thinking, like, oh, it's a carjacking, right? That's why, you know, some, no. It was, they saw it, and they wanted it. They wanted it so badly that they were willing to do anything to get it. You guys know me pretty well. I'm a bit of a nerd, right? I buy things used. I, you know, do a budget. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my heart sank when I found out that that was it. A 1997 Camaro convertible. Three lives for a car. And I just thought, you gotta be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. senseless. It's foolish. And it's easy to sit and judge and go, how stupid. How stupid. That's part of what this is about, right? This documentary. So we could be indignant about the waste. And yet I wonder how many of our own lives we do the same thing. What's worth dying for? What's worth dying for? In, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, again, Jesus is teaching. And he, and he says, um, in chapter 6, verse 19, this is what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says to us, if there's something in life that you're going to invest in, invest in eternal things. Now, you might, you might think, like, well, you know, Jesus didn't know what all we were going to have, but it's always been the same. It's always been the same. It's the stuff that we acquire. 
It's the trappings that we live in, the things that we have, the things that we own that own us. And I'm, and I'm not like anti-materialist. I'm just saying that, that if, if left unchecked, they become to rule our lives. And Jesus says, no, don't invest in things that will break down and be ruined. Rust will destroy. Thieves will break in and steal. Instead, he says, invest in the kingdom of heaven. Invest in eternal things. I'm asking you today to make a shift in what your thinking life is about. A fundamental change in your priorities. Investing in the things that Jesus himself said were the most valuable. If Jesus is our most treasured possession, if he's the thing that we value more than anything else, then when he's instructing us about the things that are the most valuable to him and his kingdom, we ought to be listening. We ought to be obedient. These things that early, as a follower of Jesus, just get, get into you, and I don't know, and you, 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 I just, you think, what, what is all the stuff? that people give their lives for? What is the call when we're following Jesus who saved us for eternity? Well, here, here's, our, here's our main text this morning. I want to jump into it today. It's Matthew 19, 16. Because I think if you read Scripture, if you honestly sit down with the Bible and read through what the Word says to how we live our lives, Jesus was very consistent in what he proclaimed. I always hear people who are non-believers saying, oh, the Bible is full of contradiction. I would challenge you to read it for yourself. Jesus is very consistent in his instruction to those who would follow him. Chapter 19, starting in verse 16. I'm sure you may have heard this before, but I want to just walk through it and see some things based on what we talked about last week with the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ, and, and, and what Jesus says himself here. Listen to the word with me. Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And then he said this. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Jesus says, if you want eternal life, just be obedient to the commandments. And the first thing that this young man says is, well, which ones must I keep? Because you see, they came from a society of laws, of rules and regulations. They felt like they were overly litigated. They felt like they were overly restrained. And they asked Jesus, which ones must I keep? He asked, which ones must I keep? And Jesus said this, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are Jesus' words. Which ones do you have to keep? Here they are. Don't steal stuff from people, right? Don't steal. Don't kill people. Don't cheat with other people's wives. Honor your mother and your father, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to think for a moment about Jesus' words here. If we lived in a society where everyone kept those commands, don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery, honor your mother and father, 
and loving your neighbor as yourself, wow, the world would be radically different, would it not? I mean, the world would be fundamentally different. I can tell you as a pastor, the things that I see most often, I don't see a lot of murderers. I've not been to the prisons. I know some of you have. But I do see this, this, this in our lives, this, this desire. I know I've said to people who've stolen before, who've stolen things. I've stolen some things, I'm sure. You know, not like carjacking or anything. I remember one time I was, <clears throat> I was at, um, worked in an office building and they had these really cool little notepads. <laughs> I thought, I'm gonna take some of those home for my wife. I did. You guys are like, come on, that's so lame, man. I remember one time I was working at that same company and I was like the little man on a totem pole. And I was, I was walking, I worked the evening shift. I worked from 11 to 7 p.m. And I would walk past the security guard every day. And all of a sudden, one day I had a laptop bag. Now you gotta remember, this is back in the day when not everybody had laptops. It was like the CEOs of the company had laptops and no one else had them. And so I was sitting at my desk one day and um, I was, I was uh, just doing my thing. And my, my manager came in. He says, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. And he said, I see you have a laptop bag. And I'm like, yeah. And he's thinking, well, what are you, this guy's nuts, right? Can I see what's in there? I was like, sure. And I opened it up with my lunch. I just found the bag. Somebody had thrown it, you know, thrown it away. They had set it aside. We're going to get rid of this. I'm like, oh, I'll use that for my lunch. That's cool. Didn't know. There was a big controversy brewing. The security guard's like, he's carrying a bag. What's this guy? I mean, imagine how brazen I would be to be carrying that laptop in and out of my place of work where the CEOs and only people who have laptops. You know what I mean? You guys are laughing because you're thinking, who didn't have a laptop? <laughs> That's all right. I, I'm all on my age. So you, you live in a site where no one would accuse you of stealing because no one would be stealing. No one accused you of adultery because no one would be committing. I want you to think for a minute about the world if we would live by those commands, how beautiful it would be. And here's a guy who's sitting, talking to the sovereign God of the universe, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the word made flesh. And he says to him, what does he say next? All of these I have kept. I have kept all of these. You see? This dude is what we would call a good guy. Doesn't steal, doesn't steal, doesn't cheat, um, doesn't do anything, doesn't honor the father, mother, right? Good guy. And he says, I've kept all these things. And look at the next question. But what do I still lack? I mean, there's something in his law keeping, there's something in his keeping of the commands that he still felt something. He still knew there was something he did not have. He said, What do I still lack? And at this, Jesus answered, and he said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell everything you own, give to the poor, and come follow me. Right? That's pretty radical. All you got to do is give up everything. Give some to the poor. Start following me. That's all Jesus said. That's all you got to do. I want to flip back to, um, this is really interesting. I want to flip back to Exodus 20 real quick. If you, if you look at Exodus 20, what's interesting about the list that Jesus gave this young ruler, this young man, I should say, who came, this, this young 
fairly wealthy guy. <laughs> he says, the commands that Jesus lists for him are 12, 13, 14, or in verses 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. He basically lists all the commands, like four through 10, I think is what we would have. When he says, what must I do? But what's interesting, what Jesus does not list, like when he says, what do I lack? What do I still need? I have all those things. I've done them. What do I still need to have eternal life? And what Jesus didn't list for him to keep was, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? Do not make idols and worship them. Right? Do not misuse my name. Remember the day of rest and keep it holy. Those are the things that he, Jesus didn't talk. What is it? that this young man still lacks and all of his religious law keeping and all of his obedience to what would make a perfect society, he still wasn't honoring God fully. Does this make sense? I mean, isn't it striking to you that Jesus doesn't say anything about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this guy says, what must I do? He knows what this guy's been doing. And he's like, here's the commands. And the guy's like, I got them all down. And Jesus says, there's one thing you're missing. You're not honoring God with your life. Those are hard words. Because if I'm standing there, I'm thinking, this guy is doing pretty good, Jesus. This guy's got stuff pretty well together. If this guy is my son, I'm a proud father. And Jesus says, no, you're not there yet. I've heard this passage talked about a lot. I've heard some pretty good jokes about it too, about, uh, you know, money is root of all evil, you know, so give it to me, I'll take the risk. <laughs> you know what I mean? People will go like, ah, oh, it's just this kid. I've heard people say that uh, it's not about money. That Jesus ain't really teaching about money. He just knew money was the issue for this guy. I believe that we follow a God who is radically different, radically different than anything else, than anyone else. I think that he is uncompromising, unapologetic in his request that we would Follow him with everything that we have. Honor him with everything that we have. And so when Jesus looks at this young man and he says, all you got to do is go sell everything, give to the poor and follow me. He means it. He means it. The scriptures go on to report that the young man went away sad because he had much wealth. He just went away. I see a lot of that. People who get close to Jesus and they say, that's too much. Wait a minute. I see that in my own life. I get too close to Jesus and I say, that's too much. That's too much. What does it mean that you and I aren't willing to do such a radical thing? What does it mean that we are not willing to give the most precious thing 
to God. I'm convinced that in some dark place of my heart, even knowing Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, that I'm convinced that if I hang on to those few precious things, that if I keep them to myself, if I don't let him have his way with them, if I protect them because I need them, it's better than having Jesus. Do you follow that? I think in some dark place of our lives, we think, Lord, not that, because we believe that what we have is better than Jesus. We believe that if we hang on to what we have right now, we've made it in life, we're to the place we want to be, we, we've, we've, we've arrived, we have things under control. It's better. It's better than having Jesus in our life. I got to tell you, church, it's heartbreaking because many turn and go away sad because they have much. And they say, not that much, Jesus. And I think he's asked this repeatedly. When he called the disciples, he said, come follow me. And they left their stuff and followed him. And I think that it's a radical call to believe in the gospel and to trust him with everything, to put all your chips in, to find something in life worth dying for, something that is eternal, that cannot be stolen from you. But in our hearts that are dark and full of sin, and our disobedience and our own self-delusion, we believe that what we have now is better than God himself. So what's the uh, antidote to this? Fundamentally, we have to ask Jesus for help. In those areas of our life, we have to ask him, we have to say, who wants to go, who wants to be that guy? Like, do you guys want to be that guy? At the end of it all, do you want to have walked away from the Savior over something that was going to be gone? The um, shocking thing about that car is it's worth it's worthless I don't mean it's worthless than it was then I mean since those people were killed it's been in an impound yard rain and bugs have gotten into it it's rusted, it's nasty a tree grew up inside of it right through the floor it's going away it's worthless and yet someone gave their life for it. Jesus uh, said, don't store up treasure where, rot, where moth and rust can destroy and thieves break and steal, but store up treasure in heaven where no one can take it and no one can destroy it. This is what Jesus said. Because wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going to be. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage, I want encourage myself, church, listen to me. There is nothing more valuable in life 
than salvation in Christ. There is nothing in life worth dying for except the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the crazy thing about following Jesus is, by the way, do you notice the story of the rich young ruler? It comes right after the story about children coming to Jesus. It comes right after these crazy kids who are unencumbered, who have nothing and just want to be blessed and are pushing their way up to the Savior. Right on the heels, a young ruler pushes his way past the children and says, what must I do to be saved? Today, church, um, I want to invite you to reconsider how you're following Jesus in your life. I want to ask, does everything, I mean at church, is everything pointing back to him in some way? In your heart of hearts, and not to impress your friends, and not certainly to impress me, is your life glorifying to the God who saves you? It's the opportunity of a lifetime that we have. I hope you will invest. I hope you will reconsider your treasures. Please uh, join me in prayer this morning. Father God, today we've come to hear from you the radical word, Jesus who is unwilling that any should perish. And yet, Father, I hear that in my heart. What are the things that are in the way? Father God, what are the things that we find more valuable than your presence? How we entered the world with nothing and then the stuff gets in the way. May we be like those children coming to you, just receiving your gift, receiving eternal life, receiving your presence. And may we turn everything back to glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before these guys start today, I have something else I want to share with you. A young uh, woman in our congregation here at Family Bible Church, if we have a congregation <laughs> gathering, come to me a few weeks ago and said, I, I want to talk to the church about something that's been in my heart. And I said, okay. And we were going to try to do it, and it didn't work out. And today it did. So I'm going to ask Kayla Alvers to come up here for a minute. Kayla is uh, Mark and Terry's daughter in our band today. How are you? Is that on? Um, I don't know. Is it red? Yeah. There you go. Okay. And so you wanted to come and talk to us a little bit. And, you know, are you freaking out? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> then it's working. She's like, I'm really nervous. I'm like, okay. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I said, good. <laughs> no, tell us what's going on. So, so what, do you, what, what do you want to share with us? Let's start there. Um, well... I am going to Hannibal LaGrange University in the fall, and I want to become a psychology major to, um, and I want to go into the mission field and help children who have been victims of sex trafficking, hopefully in other countries, but if not, in our own country, because it's still a problem here, too. So. Indeed. So you're going to go to college, right? But you're, you're thinking you're going to probably be a missionary of some sort, yes? Hopefully, yes. Perhaps. And now this is where you get really sketchy because you're not even in college yet. Right. And usually when you go to college, you change your mind about 
five times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little nerve-wracking standing up here and saying, I think I might be called to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Do you think you're called to do it? I think so, yeah. See? That's dangerous stuff. I know. <laughs> do you hear what I just said about Jesus? Go sell everything you own. <laughs> come oh, boy. Yeah. Okay with no. that. Right now I am. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have anything, do you? <laughs> no. Praise God. She wanted to share this with us because um, uh, she just wanted us to know about it, be praying for her. I would ask you to be praying for Kayla as she's away that God would give her clarity in discernment. And um, she was asked to make it known to her church by Hannibal Grange, right? If yes. this is something you feel called to, let your church back home know. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> And what else, what else you got going on? Anything? Um, I'm going to work at Canacook this summer, um, and then I'm going to Africa with the church. Yeah, very good. Going to Kenya this summer, so how awesome. Well, praise God, Kayla. And, I, you know, I would say, you know, God is leading you, um, and we can trust that no matter what. No matter what happens in life, you can trust that. But we're excited that you shared it with us. <laughs> we'll be praying for her. Would you guys agree to pray for her? Yeah? Praise God. All right, cool. Hey, let's pray, and then I'll um, let you go sit down, because I'm sure you're dying to sit down. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for Kayla and for her discernment, this initial feeling that perhaps, maybe, it could be. Father, your spirit works in our lives, and that's how we start, maybe. Send me. I pray, Father, in Kayla's life that you would be rooting your way to the very core of her soul, that the work that you do in there, that the work that we see, if we see it, would be a manifestation of your presence. Father, that she would be wholly surrendered to you. And if it's your will that she goes in, in the mission fields and help with sex trafficking, that you would empower her in that way. I pray for her time at Hamble Grange. I thank you already for the discipleship of having her come and share with us what it might look like to follow you. And I pray, Father, that we would be a loving and supporting group of believers that would encourage her in her faith, encourage her in her pursuit, and pray for her. We thank you so much for testimony today, and we pray that you would do your will in Kayla's life. May you be glorified through her in every way. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.